I uh, just want to explain a little bit of what's going to happen from now until the end of our time uh, together. Uh, I'm going to share most of my message just now, I reckon four-fifths or so of the sermon, and then we're going to have communion, and uh, then I'm going to close off the message. So it's kind of two parts, but don't worry, it's not half and half, because uh, be, you would get to that point and you'd be panicking. You don't need to at all. Um, I wonder how you find yourself as you come here this morning, wonder what sort of week you've had, what's been on your mind this last week. Anyone been thinking about politics at all this last week? Uh, is there anything going on down there in London, down there in Westminster? So maybe some of you are more enlightened as to what is truly going on than I am. I'm struggling to figure it all out, to be honest. But is any, I'm sure that's been on some of our minds. Has anyone uh, gone to... Uh, had a few awkward conversations with friends or family about what's going on in Westminster just now. Uh, anyone uh, almost written a message to your group family thread and deleted it like more than five times? Like that's me uh, in, my, in my family group. Uh, but it's, it's, it's been, what a week it's been in, in politics. And, and uh, we truly need to be praying for our leaders uh, that they would know wisdom and help and that they would turn to God for that. Um, we really do need to lift them up in, in prayer. That's been on our mind, I'm sure, for all of us. What else has been going through your mind this last week or so? Maybe, maybe family matters for some of you. We had a big, uh, a big week for our family. Jacob had his P7 trip away to Lock Inch. So he left Monday morning and he came back Friday late afternoon, which is a big first time he's been away for uh, a, long, a long-ish time like that. And I went to pick him up on Friday. And as I was trying to find him around about the bus, I, I saw, uh, you know, try to try to see through the crowds and there was one of his P7 classmates who was very excited about the trip that she just had and one of the reasons she was excited was she threw her hand in the air and said I got a boyfriend <laughs> so I found Jacob even faster after that <laughs> and and, I, and no it was not him uh, who was <laughs> so I, I won't say anything but there's so much more I could say about that whole issue of boyfriends and girlfriends at the trip away but I, I'll, I'll, I'll keep that to myself and Jacob uh, so you know, but maybe you've had family stuff on your mind uh, this last week, but you just think of the number of things that are going on in our little community of faith in Hillview and Kintour Community Church. Some of us have had illness on our minds this week, illness that we're going through, or some of us have known friends who have been diagnosed recently with illness. Some have known loss. Others have looked on at the pain that family members are in and are going to be in for a long time and are working through that. Others of us are feeling rushed, maybe just with, maybe with great things. Maybe you're on top of the world, but you're rushed and maybe others are stressed with things that they would rather just ha- be able to drop a few of them. Whatever it is, we're so busy in this culture. It's a really huge thing for us. Maybe work or school or uni has been on your mind or church. Like I said, there are so many things going on in our church just now. And I know for many of you, deeply committed to God's work. It's, it's been a huge part of the week that you've just had. Relational challenges of various types, financial ups and downs. Whatever it might be, there is so much before us. So much that comes into our minds. So much for us to get our heads around week by week. We've started this little series on Romans chapter 8. If you have a Bible, I would encourage you to turn there. 
Last week, uh, we kicked that off, and we were thinking about how sometimes these things I've mentioned, and many more that others are going through that I'll know nothing about, um, these things can sometimes leave us feeling trapped, and how actually that's not just an emotional or a psychological reality, but for all of us, even if you've never really felt trapped or felt in captivity to some of these things that I've mentioned, for all of us, there is a spiritual reality to whether we are free or whether we are in captivity. And we were looking last week at Romans 8 verses 1 and 2 mainly, and how um, we were, though, though we were made for freedom with our Creator. That's how God made us. He made us to, to be free and to go forth into the earth with Him, in relationship with Him. We were, we were looking, we kind of looked a little bit over the message of Romans, how, how all of us have found ourselves in captivity because every single human being has pushed away the source of what is true freedom. We've pushed Him away. We've gone our own way. The Bible calls that sin, and the Bible teaches us that that sin enslaves us. We're not living as we were made to live. We're in captivity to to that old way, that selfish way, that sinful way that every single boy, girl, man, woman uh, finds themselves in. Not only finds themselves in, but puts themselves in. We, we, we looked how, apart from the grace of God, we are condemned. We are rebel, we've rebelled against our Creator. And in that, we stand condemned before the judge of the universe. But we were not stopping there because we want to be people of the gospel. And there is good news that though that is the case, we were looking last week, we looked at the wonderful news that the Holy Spirit can set us free from the power of sin and death through what Jesus has done for those who would come to Jesus and accept him. The Spirit has set us free. We are no longer condemned in our sin, no longer trapped in regret, no longer held in shame, no longer struggling with hopelessness and futility and sin. But the Holy Spirit has set us free. And we were thinking about the importance of not just understanding that as information, but of finding the blessing of knowing the presence of the Holy Spirit who reminds us, I have set you free, not because of anything good in you, but because of the grace of God. That's what we were thinking about, how God has set us free. And this week, we are reflecting on, well, what does that mean for us in day-to-day life? There is a reality of being set free And then there's figuring out what does that look like day by day? How are we walking through life? What is it that is on our minds? And and this passage speaks to that. So we're going to read from verse 1 again through this time to verse 8. And we're going to hear these things. Walking, living, what's on our minds. We're going to hear these things come up. This is God's word. This is the only part of this sermon that you can 100% hold on to as trustworthy and true. If you're going to listen to anything, listen to these verses and pray that God, by His Spirit, will reveal truth to them in you. And then pray for me that I don't blow it and get it wrong in the rest of the message, all right? This is God's Word. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law, we were looking last week, that that could be the way or the power, the the law of the spirit of life, the way of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law or the way of sin and death. 
For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk. And here we go. How do we walk? We walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. So just be be praying this whole time now. We all want, all of us here want to know life, true life. We want to know peace. So be praying for these things. To set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Amen. This passage is talking about how we walk, how we move forward from where we are today. So this is about tomorrow and this coming week, how we progress through life. It's talking about what we set our minds on. Now, when it says that, it's not just talking about the things that we think about. It goes way beyond that. This language is getting to the issues of what is at the core of who we are. What are our convictions? What is it that governs our will and shapes how we live and breathe in this world? What are the heart attitudes that we have that steer us through the various things that we need to work through in life? And these ideas are huge ideas for Paul. Paul comes back to these concepts, where we walk, how we walk, what we set our minds on. He comes back to them time and time again, dozens of times through the New Testament. He's writing here about how we live. Not just in any given moment, but he's asking here to to reflect on who or or what are we living according to, in accord with? What are we lining ourselves up with in the way that we live? How do we step forward in this life that God has called us to? When you're set free from something, it changes how you live. You don't just go on in the same way. It changes you. There can be an initial sort of celebration of a freedom that is gained, but then that new freedom has to be worked out over the course of a long time sometimes. Sort of that freedom has to be appropriated and rolled out to the various aspects of life that we come across. So think, for example, of, of a sort of political freedom or a social freedom. So think of, for example, the, the fall of the Berlin Wall. And you you, you can think of that incredible moment in history. Some of us will remember images from the news and the great celebration that went on. But of course, after that, there was then years, if not decades, of detailed, difficult work trying to figure out what does that mean for the way that Europe and beyond should conceive of itself. Or think of some of the famous scenes from TV in in the Middle East over the last 20 years. So think of the fall of Saddam Hussein. Or, or more recently, the scenes of frenzied jubilation in the Arab Spring. You remember in 2011 in, in Green Square, as it was known there, it's now called Martyr Square, I found that out this week, in, in Tripoli, in, in Libya. And there was, there was such celebration when Gaddafi fell and people had their freedom back as they understood it then. But then there was the huge difficulties 
in Iraq, in Libya, in that whole region, huge difficulties those nations had trying to make sense of what that freedom meant for them, how it was going to be worked out in real life. Or think not of politics or social realities, think much closer to home and the freedom that we gain as we grow up and mature. Most of us can remember, or maybe for some of us who are younger, we look on at others who have gradually found an increasing sense of freedom. You might remember that moment when you, were, you passed your driving test and you were given the keys to your car by your mum or your dad and you went out in the car for the very first time and that sense of freedom that you had or the first time you got a house key and, and there was that initial moment that happened but then you had to figure out, okay, how am I going to live in that freedom? Am I going to drive sensibly or am I going to drive like a crazy person? What am I going to do with the house key? Am I going to just be sensible or am I going to call my friends around and have a party? And my dad's here, so let's not get into that question. Uh, We'll just move on as quickly as possible. Being set free is an important moment, but then we have to figure out how will we live in that freedom? Politics, government in our own lives and in our spirituality. In our spirituality. Last week, you have been set free. If you trust in Jesus, the Spirit has set you free from that most fundamental captivity that we have. This week, we're looking at how do you live in that, in that freedom. Just a few points about these verses that we've been looking at today. First of all, there is this repeated contrasting of life in the flesh and life in the Spirit. And uh, Maybe if you're new to the Bible or new to church, you're thinking, what on earth is that talking about? This word flesh is a very particular word that Paul's using. It's it's notoriously difficult to translate. The NIV used to translate it sinful nature, but there's a few problems with that. So they've now, the NIV have gone back to, to calling it flesh, I think, as well. Paul means something quite specific here. He's speaking of our life turned away from God. So it's that reality I was saying that the Bible teaches that every human being has turned away from God and, and, and that we live in, not in the way that God wanted us to, but we live as fallen human beings who have pushed God away and we live under our sin and, and we live under our fallen human nature. And that's what this word flesh is referring to. When the Bible says you live in your flesh, that's what it means. Martin Luther, the, the church reformer, referred to this as life deeply curved in on itself. Life just focused in on itself, forgetting God, ignoring Him. Paul is saying in this passage, there are those who walk according to the flesh and there are those who walk according to the Spirit. What does that mean? This is just referring to those that we were thinking about last week, those who have been set free by God, who are spiritually alive. And when you live in the Spirit, that is to say that your life is deeply rooted in that reality, that you, you don't live in the flesh anymore, but you live rooted that you, in, in the reality that you have been set free through the grace of God. That's the first thing to, to notice is that there is this contrast again and again in these verses. The second thing to notice is that when, when Paul speaks of life in the flesh and life in the spirit, it's not that Paul is speaking about two different parts of the one person, or even in this passage, he does in other passages speak of a struggle that we still have in, in going back to our old ways 
But it's not that that struggle is in the heart of a believer. It's not here that Paul is saying that there are two powers struggling within one person. No, you either live in the flesh or you live in the spirit. That's not to say that you don't have any challenges back here, but the reality is clear in these verses. Uh, and, And he's speaking about these two different spiritual realities that you can live under. You don't flip back and forth. The, the Holy Spirit and His grace sets us free. We're made alive in God and forevermore you are His child. You will never be plucked from the hand of God. You're alive in Him. Now following on from that, it's important to realize that this passage is not mainly exhortation. That is to say, it's not mainly Paul calling us to a certain way. It's not mainly exhortation. It is mainly description. He's describing something. Paul is not calling Christians to live a certain way. He's describing how Christians live, truly. And of course, in that, he's calling us to to become, you know, that that lovely phrase, what does it mean to be, what what does the Christian life mean? It means you become who you are. That's the, that's the daily struggle of Christian life, becoming who you are. There is a reality that is ours in Christ Jesus. In Ephesians chapter 1, it even says that we are seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus and, and past tense. So there is this spiritual reality. And then the job of you and I is to day by day become who we are, to, to find that reality to be true in our lives. And so there are certainly lessons that we can take here, but the whole point is that just like we we can't be set free apart from the work of the Spirit, in the same way Paul is describing here for us that we cannot live well in that freedom apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. And he's laying out the truth of how God brings this about in our lives, how those who have been set free in Christ Jesus are those who, look at verse 4, We are those who have been set free in Christ Jesus, are those who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And he goes on describing the reality of Christian life. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. He's describing what life is like. The old way is gone. The new way has come. For those who live with the presence of God in the truth of what Christ has done and how the Spirit has set us free, they then live according to the Spirit and they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Now, in this description of of Christian life, I think there are two invitations for us. The first one, and then we're going to have communion, and then the second one briefly as we close. The first invitation is we are invited to reflect on where we are in terms of what Paul is laying out here. The question is is there before us as we read this passage. What are you living according to? Are you living according to the flesh? Or are you living according to the Spirit? One way that we can know that, the passage makes clear, is to consider, on what am I setting my mind? And again, this is not just about occasional thoughts, but this is talking about what is the fundamental orientation of our heart? What is it that steers us, guides us day by day? 
This is such an important matter. We're literally talking about life and death here. Verse 6, to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. I want us just in these moments to reflect on what are you setting your mind on. So Matthew, if you could put up that, that slide for me. Listen to how John Stott describes this reality. He says, that to set the mind on the desires of the flesh or the spirit is to make them the, and he's quoting here from a Scottish theologian, John Murray, 20th century Scottish theologian, to set the mind on the desires of the flesh or the spirit is to make them the absorbing objects of thought, interest, affection, and purpose. It is a question of what preoccupies us, of the ambitions which drive us, and the concerns which engross us, how we spend our time and our energies, of what we concentrate on and give ourselves up to. And we just keep that up there for a little while as we reflect on that. Dear friend, are you setting your mind on the Spirit? It doesn't mean that you have to always think about Bible verses through your day. It doesn't mean that you have to always be in prayer, always be thinking about spiritual things or Hillview Community Church, or anything like that. God doesn't want us to live in in a bubble. I showed the picture of not only Hannah and Scott, but but, but for Craig as well, lest lest you thought I was trying to communicate, look how important children's church is, because that way we get pastors. No, the point was, look how important children's church is, because that way we get pastors, and teachers, and cleaners, and lawyers, and oily people, and all, all these. The, the point is, is that God is at work in, in all of our lives, and He grows us up, and He has a specific vocation and calling for us. And in that, of course, you've got meetings, and you've got emails, and you've got diagrams to work through. And I'm not suggesting that you have to always be thinking about spiritual things, but again, we're getting back to this reality of, of, of what is at the center of your life. We're not talking about detaching ourselves from the world, but is the Holy Spirit, you're, as Murray puts it, your absorbing object of thought, interest, affection, and purpose? Is He at the center of your life? Does He drive your ambitions? Does Does He engross your concerns? Does He affect how you spend your time and your resources and what energizes you? Is the Holy Spirit the life source from which all your other activity in life would burst forth? And this is so important because if it's not the case that at the heart of who we are is a relationship with the living God, celebrating what He's done and asking for His guidance as to how do I make sense of that for Monday, if that's not the case for you, then no amount of religious dabbling will do. No amount of church activity will do. No amount of, in your own strength, rigorous adherence to whatever moral code you have deemed appropriate for yourself will do in and of itself. Because, look at verse 7. 
Because it's all, it comes back to, it's right back to what is at the center of your life. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. You may not feel like that, but if the presence of God and the embrace of the gospel of Jesus Christ isn't at the center of God, God's word says that that spirit is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. We need to be set free. It's the same point as verses 1 and 2. So I just would plead with you, if you know that the reality of a relationship with God is not at the center of who you are, turn to Jesus this morning. Let the Spirit set you free because of what He has done. This is, friends, this is why we're doing this series on life in the Spirit. It's to get to these most fundamental realities because we should not take these things for granted. Just because we have a church where, you know, a couple of hundred folk across here in Kintore gather, just because we have good things going on, we must not assume that everyone who gathers around those things is alive in Jesus Christ. I was listening to a podcast on Friday. Some of you, you heard me mention this before, the Holy Post podcast. It's worth listening to if you're interested in in, in, in considering how Christianity affects the culture in which we live. It's very focused on life in America, but there's lots of stuff you can draw from it. And it was interviewing a guy called David Kinneman, who is the president of Barna Group, a leading Christian research uh, company. And uh, he was on this podcast that I was listening to on Friday. He was talking about his new book called Faith for Exiles. And what they'd done is they'd done extensive research among 18 to 29-year-olds who had grown up in the church. And they found that just 10% of those 18 to 29-year-olds who had grown up right through children's church, youth group, and all the rest of it, just 10% were what they termed resilient disciples. That is to say, those with a deep, living, abiding connection to Christ and His mission. Just 10%. The next level of commitment down was what they called habitual church scores. And it was 38% of those that they explored were in that category. We're just basically going to church week in, week out because it was their now, it was their habit, and they felt like it was the right thing to do. Hillview, we need to beware about who we are together. We need to be aware about what is at the center of our life together. It would be so easy for us to set ourselves up to encourage and enable habitual church going. Hillview could, if we're not careful, if we don't guard against this, very easily be a church where you can actually exist quite comfortably for a number of years without ever being truly confronted by the reality of the presence of God in your life, the reality of these life and death issues, about life according to the Spirit, about setting our minds on, about walking with the Spirit at the very, very center of our lives. We need to just be careful of that. We, we, we always want this church to be a welcoming place for any who would come in and explore faith. I love that week by week, I'm sure, in our gatherings here, there are people who are just coming to explore 
if Jesus is for them. If that's you, no matter your thoughts towards God or your thoughts towards church, I want you to know you're so welcome. If you're not sure whether you're in the flesh or in the spirit yet and you're just new to all of this, you are so welcome. Jesus always attracted around him people who were just interested, just knew something special about him and were just journeying towards him in that way. And we should be like that too. There should always be people around the life of Hillview who are just checking these things out. But, but Jesus did not leave people in that place. And we don't want to leave each other there either. Verse 6, to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. That is what we should want for one another. And we should, with care and wisdom and gentleness and respect, we should find ways to share that truth, to share that path of life with those who are around the edges of our faith community, away from captivity and sin towards true life with God, and we should care about that more than anything else. This passage invites us to reflect. Are we walking or living according to the flesh, that life deeply curved in on itself, or are we walking with God at the very center of our lives? And now we come to communion. How does this come about? that we walk not in the flesh, but in the spirit. The, the order is so crucial of how we make sense of all of these things. I said earlier that this passage is more description than exhortation. That is to say, it's not Paul saying, do these things, and this is how you will know life in the spirit. But it's description. It's Paul saying, if you have been set free by the, by the Spirit, then this is the result of that. He's describing the effects on our lives of when God's grace takes hold of us. So how do we get to that point? Well, last week it was down as Romans 8, 1 to 4, but we really only focused on verses 1 and 2. And here I just want to share two more verses with you the next two, verses three and four. Listen to how this is all God's work. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. That is to say there's no you can't jump through legal moral hoops to get to this. God did something different. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, that is, as a human being, but not sinful, in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, Jesus came to deal with sin. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk. And then there's a passage for today. How can we be set free? 
free from guilt, free from condemnation. It's because God sent his son and he, verse 3, second part, he condemned sin in the flesh. Whose sin did God condemn? Mine and yours. In whose flesh was my sin and your sin condemned? Not mine, in Christ's. God condemned my sin and your sin in the body of Jesus Christ. And that's what we come to remember as we come around this table. We're remembering as we take bread and little cups of juice, we're acknowledging that the work that God has done through Christ on the cross, and we are responding, yes, to the offer of freedom from condemnation and captivity. But as we respond today, we have to remember that we're not only saying yes to freedom, but we're remembering that those who are set free live differently. God granting us freedom is not an isolated thing, but it affects every aspect of our life. It's not something we just take and put in our pocket when we need it, but it is a receiving of a whole new life, and it's that whole new life which is set, a mind which is set on the things of the Spirit. So we're going to pass bread and uh, juice. Just now there's, there's a gluten-free roll at the back, on the shelves at the back there, if you, if you need that. So I said, uh, I said that there were two invitations in this passage. One, to consider where we are with these things. We've had the chance to reflect on that just now. And then the second invitation is we are invited to, as we think about uh, walking according to the Spirit, we are invited to walk on, to walk forward. Yes, this passage is descriptive, but it is describing a life of movement forward with, the, with God. For those who know they live in the freedom that God has given, it's those who, who desire to know more and more of the reality of the life and peace that comes through our gracious God. We are to set our minds on. We are to walk in, live in, step into this reality. And as you and I know, that is not always easy. Walking forward in freedom can take great effort. Where I sit in my study just uh, around there, uh, I quite often can just look up the drive and see what's going on. And, and often there's people who are out for walks. It's a really lovely uh, place to, to go walking. And the last couple of years, I've seen two separate individuals on a number of occasions. And both of these people, uh, one a man, one a lady, maybe in their 60s, I'm estimating, they've clearly come through some sort of significant medical problem. I don't know the details of it. Some of you medics would be able to see straight away what it is, but it's, it's a problem that has profoundly affected their ability to walk and move, and they're, they're, they're working through that challenge. And, and you, you can see, uh, as, you, as you look, that these people know that there is something that they're after, 
There is freedom before them in their lives, even in a sense in in their walk that day, and they're learning how to walk forward in that freedom. They're they're having to re-teach themselves how to walk in the freedom that they've been given. And, And it's incredibly humbling to look on at their determination, their focus, their, their concentrating deeply as they're, they're doing this. It, it has the appearance of some sort of rehabilitation. You can tell it's not easy for them. It seems painful for them, but they are slowly but purposefully putting one foot in front of the other, and they are walking forward. When you've been set free, when you've been given another chance, when you faced some difficulty that has held you captive, held you down, when you've been set free, you want to walk in that freedom. It might mean a new way of walking. It might take more focus and more effort than it did before, but it's worth it. It's worth it. And when we are set free by the Spirit, we have to find a new way to walk to walk according to the Spirit, setting our minds on Him. It's not easy. That takes a lifetime of careful discipline. I heard someone in the last week say, I thought when I hit my 60s or 70s that, that I, would gr- I would all of a sudden have arrived in my sanctification, but I'm still finding it hard to follow faithfully after God. It takes a lifetime of effort and dedication with God, of careful discipline, but we take the new freedom that we have been granted and we train ourselves in how to, uh, to, to walk according to that new way. But the point of the passage, and with this we close, is we don't do it alone. We walk according to the Spirit. We set our minds on the things of the Spirit and we let Him do His work. Listen to the promises that were given about this Spirit who we live with and walk in. Hundreds of years before, through the prophet Ezekiel, in Ezekiel chapter 36, uh, God says, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols. I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. That word flesh there is used differently to how Paul used it, by the way. This is talking about the soft heart, the beating heart that God gives us, the heart that beats for him. And then listen, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. I will cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey all my rules. And then even Jesus, when Jesus was promising the Holy Spirit, he said in John 16, when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. We don't have to figure it out on our own. The Holy Spirit causes us to honor God, causes us to put one foot in front of the other. The Holy Spirit guides us into what is true. God does this. He does this in us. It's like a dance. God shows us the steps and then leads us in the dance. Without him, we'd be nowhere. 
but the more comfortable we become, the more it is like we're flowing together, us and God, in one beautiful moment through life. In a good dance, you shouldn't be able to really see who's leading and who's following. It's just one beautiful action together. And the Spirit guides us into truth. The Spirit shows us what we need and causes us to follow God's ways. But when we know His presence, know His joy, know His life, it's like us and God are moving beautifully together through life. This is what we're after, dear friends. This is our hope and our prayer day by day. Whatever is going on in your life just now, Process it by way of the life and the peace that the Spirit of God brings. Let the Spirit of God impact how you think about the political realities that we're facing just now. And how you talk about those things. Let the Spirit of God shape your ambitions in work your dreams for the future and what that means about how many hours you work this week and where your priorities lie. Let the Spirit of God, let His life and His peace govern how you think about your family's needs. Serious though many of them are among us. Your illness, your fears, your loss, your finances, your hopes and dreams for ministry in this church all of your life. Walk forward, challenging though it can be, in accord with the Spirit, with our hearts and our lives aligned with who He is and what He wants. That He is the God who sets people free. Walk forward in accordance with that. That He is our counselor. He's our comforter. He's our friend. He's our advocate. Walk forward and Accord with him. To do that, dear friends, is life and peace. May you know that life and peace this week. Let's pray and then we're going to close. And can we just, in the quiet... Uh, I just invite you to just open your heart and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you what you need to hear for today and for tomorrow. If you're struggling to, to just rest in the quiet and focus in, maybe pray this prayer. Holy Spirit, Show me your life and peace. Help me walk in your life and peace. Thank you, Father God, that in your grace, on the basis of the finished work of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit has set us free from the power of sin and death. And thank you that you walk with us through life. And we pray that we would live in accord with your Spirit, with our heart 
caring about the things that he cares about. We don't want to just be habitual church attenders or worse. We want to be alive in Christ and living that out day by day. So guide us, direct us, hard though it may be, help us put one foot in front of the other and follow you and walk with you, dance with you, wherever you've put us this week. Help us display the beauty and the wonder of Christ as you lead us on. I pray in Jesus' name.